Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the So Shack every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins, B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDP show at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code IDP show at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Hey people, welcome to the IDP After Show. I'm Jace Abbey and I'm excited to bring you the week five episode of the Rankings Show. As usual, I'll go position by position, highlighting some of the biggest risers and fallers in my rankings. And tonight, I'm joined by Aaron Evers, content creator and one of my many talented colleagues at the IDP show. How, Aaron, how goes it, dude? It's not bad, mate. It's not bad. I'm um, very excited to be here. Like, I've done, I've done some after-show stuff um, group-wise, uh, but this is, my, this is my first sort of scurry foray into the, uh, into the one, one-on-one sort of podcast side of things. Um, Josh has let me out of the basement, so uh, I feel like I'm free to just run, run rampant and uh, get away from my, my usual data collection for the, uh, for the big three guys. <laughs> All right, it's time we, we, we shine that spotlight on you, on the wonder that is Aaron Evers. So, uh, you know, you are, you are the creator of perhaps the, the single most impressive 
piece of fantasy analysis I've ever heard uh, when you described a player as Mama's Meatloaf a while back. You knew this was coming. <laughs> well, I, actually, I wasn't sure. I didn't know whether you were going to go with Mum's Meatloaf or whether you were going to bring up uh, me talking about Jalen Carter's off-field speed score. I didn't know. I, I knew. I knew it was going to be one or, one or the other. But um, I'm I'm enjoying the fact that they've taken the bit and they're running with it on the main show and. Um, it's now every time every time I'm I'm sort of driving to work or whatever and I'm listening to the show just because you know time differences it, it drops in my feed right from my morning commute on a uh, in the morning and um I'm just like I'm like the Bengals game's coming up the Bengals game's coming up because I know the doc I've outlined I've done the doc I know how it's outlined I'm like and and then there it is if Logan Wilson's in the top five scores mum's meatloaf baby <laughs> and I'm just I'm loving it it's great I can never look at him the same way again. Uh, that that'll just he's he's gonna carry that for the rest of his career for me now. He is kind of built like me meatloaf with legs though, like in, in like those those uh those Iowa linebackers. They all kind of look the same, like him, Muma. Like they're all just. They're, they're, I I'm gonna touch on this a little bit later in terms of like what linebackers that look the same and and they're, they're like just like they're like clones of each other. It's just crazy the, the factory that they're bringing out of over there. Yeah, I bet, I bet Wilson's super proud to have reached the pinnacle of the sport only to be described as Mama's Meatloaf on legs. Like... <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely going to be something that he, uh, he talks about with the grandkids one day. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Anyway, look, um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on tonight to help me uh, to break down who we like and who we hate ahead of, uh, of week five. Um, so let's just get this thing going. Um, and let's start with arguably the most sought after position in IDP, the linebackers. So give me your first linebacker who you are high on this week. So so the first one that I'm high on, and uh, I'm going to bundle them together kind of because both guys that I'm high on for this week are from the same game. So it's the game that's going to be close to our hearts purely because of where it's played. It's the uh, it's the London game. Um, so the the first the first guy that I've got I've got here on my list is I've got Terrell Bernard. Um, you've got him at linebacker twenty uh, linebacker twenty two in your ranks for this week. I'm really liking him to break into the you know the top fifteen and, and push for top twelve and, and the, the scoring by the end of the week. Um, he's put up eighteen point nine four points per game across the four weeks so far. Now obviously that is buoyed by a massive week three where he, he scored over forty. So far, he's racked up 29 tackles, two TFLs, two INTs, two sacks, two fumble recoveries. Everything comes in pairs for him, you know. Two fumble recoveries, two PDs, two QB hits. He's playing about 50, 50 snaps a game, which is translating to 94% of what they're doing. Um, he's got an 11.4% missed tackle rate, which is a little bit higher than you'd like to see. But going into into week three, at least, so per Mac, uh, I don't know if you saw the chart that Macri did, the um, the tackle efficiency chart that he put out last week. Uh, for teams of where they rank in terms of, oh mate, it is like smashed all my tackle props. Like it was, it was gold. <laughs> um, but it talked about like tackle efficiency, tackles allowed per for the linebacker position. He did one for safeties as well. Um, oh, I did see this. And, I did see this. Yes, Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so by that table, going in into week three, he hasn't done one for week, like, including week four data. So, so going into week four, so with the first three weeks. Um, the the Bills themselves, uh, who are playing the Bills are playing the Jags. The Jags were second in tackle efficiency allowed and linebacker tackles per game. So there's going to be a lot 
a lot of action there for Terrell Bernard. I know Milano is going to get his, but Bernard's playing almost 100% of snaps. He's gone boom. Um, at the worst, I'd say he's probably like, I feel like where you've ranked him at linebacker 24, uh, 22 is his floor. And I, I easily see him sort of pushing as uh, for that linebacker one scoring uh, over here in old, in old Blighty. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, you mentioned the missed tackles. Uh, you kind of stole my point there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to see him record more solos. It depends on the scoring in your league, but it's it's just been, I think he might even have more assists than, than solos, and that's that's unusual. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not as high on him uh, as you, it sounds like, but yeah, I still like the guy. He's playing every down. He's kind of like taking hold of that role next to Milano because we were unsure at the beginning of the year whether it was going to be Dodson. Um, so yeah, I, I, I like it. I like it. I think, I think the main thing that sort of speaks to me on, on the Bernard side of things is if you look at his stat lines and stuff, he's always around the ball in a defense that makes big plays. So there's like the Bills defense has, is, is always generating big plays on the defensive side of the ball. So he's recovering fumbles. He's getting the bat downs. Like big three scoring is, is, is really generous towards passes defended. Um, mm-hmm. So he's getting the bat downs. He's, he's, he's got a couple of picks himself. So he's obviously, you know, he hasn't got, he hasn't got DB hands. Um, so it's just, he's there around the ball when they're making plays. So I'm, I'm happy to follow him hoping for one of those boom weeks of big plays. Like, you know, a 40 point week is not something I did the, I put together a table for the guys to have a look at um, in the most recent pod. And, you know, we're averaging like one or two people per week that's able to put up a 40 point week. And, and, you know, Bernard's one of those people. So I'm, the floor might not be there with, with the tackle side of it, but I'm definitely thinking that the ceiling could be against a Jacksonville team that has not looked great on offense at the moment. Like Lawrence is still looking shaky. ETN is, you know, he's put the ball on the ground before. Bigsby's put the ball on the ground before. So there's definitely plenty of opportunities, I feel like, for, for him get to get at least one turnover and still come in at sort of that six to seven tackle mark. And, uh, and and push for that sort of fifteen plus fifteen plus points at least. You know, maybe even looking at twenty if you're lucky. Yeah, yeah. Two points on that. Yeah, you're right to mention the you know the fact it's over it's over in the UK. Like crazy stuff. Turnovers seem to be a plenty in uh, in in these games. Um, so yeah, maybe he can get uh, he can get involved in that. And uh, yeah, second point is that yeah, I've I've increasingly come around to this way of thinking that there is a place for these boom or bust types and yeah it's probably a little early to call him that but um depending on your league scoring obviously um i like to pair someone with solid weekly floor a couple of guys with a solid weekly floor with a boom or bust type the the guy that springs to mind for me is 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 devin white frankie louvu that sort of character that you know they might not have the tackle volume yeah exactly um so yeah i i've i kind of come around that to that way of thinking and that's what makes me kind of like bernard a little more perhaps than even where i've got him ranked this week so you've you've kind of convinced me i'll uh, I'll take that one (laughs) (laughs) so my first guy is uh quincy williams uh i got him as the lb 21 which is one behind jordan hicks and one ahead of uh, terrell bernard so you'll often hear me talk about you know, snap share and snap volume, especially where the, the linebackers are concerned. It's the single single biggest sort of determining factor uh, in terms of tackle volume after all. So, but sometimes I think just just sometimes we've got to hand it to those guys 
who are just balling out. And, and Williams is that guy. Um, he's had double-digit tackles in three out of four games this year, and he's had a pass breakup in three out of four games as well. I like it because I think New York has got a defense where both linebackers can easily, easily, easily put up points. Like, I've got a special place for CJ Mosley in my heart. Like, I've got a CJ Mosley Baltimore Ravens jersey hanging in my closet somewhere from, from when, you know, when we drafted him and I thought he was going to be the, uh, I thought he was going to be the next Ray Lewis. Um, so I've, I've always loved, I've always loved CJ. Um, he's getting a little bit older and, Quincy is coming into like this is I feel like a, a breakout year where we see it come together for Quincy. Like it just feels like it's starting to click for him, not only in his part uh, in his in his run defense, but also in his coverage as well. Like I I, I watched a clip from I, I watched the start of the um uh the Jets game that was just played. Um, Chiefs Jets game, which everybody saw because of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift and everything else. So I watched the start, but it's very hard for me to watch the entire game because it runs at like kicks off at like one o'clock and one o'clock in the morning our time, and you know you're going to bed at four o'clock and get up for work at six. It's not great to watch the whole thing. But um, uh, there was a there was a play where uh, I think it was um, I think it might have been Marquez Valdez Scantling took off down the sideline, and you just saw you saw Williams backpedal. And just so smoothly open his hips and just follow him the, down the sideline and just perfect coverage. And I was just like, and then they highlighted it on the broadcast and they're like, "Yo, Quincy Williams, like looking sharp in coverage." And I just went, and I, I, I in my head, I went, "I think this is the season that he starts to he starts to put it together." And and so with the way that this defense operates, where there's so much pressure being generated by that front, but I feel like on the back, like apart from Source, like. There's not really a lot going on in the back end, so there's there's kind of like this dead spot in the middle where the defense is still like generate like so many tackles and so many like play opportunities, and I just feel like there's there's the perfect chance for him to to easily like you said he's double digit tackles three out of four games so far already, so he's he's going to be one of those guys that you mentioned that will give you that floor so you can go chase the upside because he's just been so consistent. Exactly. Yeah, the, the the Jets have got to be feeling feeling pretty smug about that that contract extension they signed him to uh, back in I think it was March, right? So um, yeah, I think we saw we saw him start to emerge last year. Um, don't quote me on this, but I think he got more playing time as the season wore on. This year, it's just been right out of the gate. Um, you know, every down guy or near to every down guy, and I just I, I really like him as a player. I own I own loads. I, I've got loads of Williams on on loads of my fantasy rosters, um, just because I thought you know he's one of those guys who's doesn't really get the the recognition, but he's got a good chance to hang with the likes of you know his his teammates CJ Mosley and those two guys. As you rightly said, are just going to eat this year. And that's that's the thing. Like I noticed, you've got you've got like the matchup is is going to be a great one there against Denver, and you've got Mosley up at, at, at top six. But if you can get the discount for pretty much similar production and get you know and tw- Quincy's because you had to pay up to get CJ this year as well. That was the thing. Like Mosley was in these best ball drafts and and, and IDP drafts that we did. Mosley was going as sort of a, a a top seven, top eight linebacker anyway, and and Quincy was going in the twenties, like in the twenties and thirties. And that's sort of where he's ranked. But so you've got him, you know, as your, as your LB three, LB four, when you drafted him, but you've got the ability for him to be putting up sort of LB one, LB two points with the matchup. Yep. 
Exactly. Um, so give me your, your next linebacker. Who else do you like this week? Yeah, so I, mean, I mentioned that it all tied together with this London game. Um, so the other linebacker that I went with, it's not Matt Milano. I have split, I've split it up, um, but it's, it's Moomer. It's Chad Moomer. Um, and I've, I've got a weird affinity with this, like, with this game, the, the Bills Jags, because the only NFL game that I've ever been to was at the London series in 2016, and it was Bills Jags. And it was an absolute, it was an absolute bomb burner. Blake Bortles went off. Alan Robinson went for like 180. Like it was just, I think the final score, I can't remember exactly, but it was like, it was like 70 points or something was scored. It was an incredible game. But um, I don't know if I see that in this one because both Jags and Bills defenses that year were terrible. Um, but this is more around the the opportunity that, that Moomer's got with Devin Lloyd's thumb surgery, didn't travel. So he stayed in London. Uh, he stayed uh, stayed in, in Jacksonville and didn't travel to London. And what he did in that one game last week, uh, London game again against the uh, against the Falcons with Lloyd's absence. So he played ninety eight percent of the snaps. Um, he put up just shy of fifteen points, seven total tackles, two passes defended. He did have a thirty three percent missed tackle rate. Um, he had he had three solos, three assists. Three missed, so real consistent on that side. Um, but it was—it's more the fact of the opportunity provided. Um, going back to that, sh- uh, the sheet that I mentioned that Macri, the, the table that Macri released, uh, the Jags were second um, in uh, tackle efficiency allowed and, and linebackers to uh, linebacker tackles per game. The Bills were third, right below them. Like they're still offering up at t- uh, close to twenty linebacker tackles per game. Now, Foyer will probably get as close to those 20 as he can because he's an absolute machine. Um, but I still think with, with where I saw you had him ranked at linebacker 40, I still think there's a definite chance for, for Mooma to, to sort of put up numbers that's going to put him in the, in the it's solidly in sort of the LB2, LB3 range. You know, So we're talking high, tw- uh, high 20, uh, low 20, sorry, through to through to the 30 range in the, in the scoring and the positional scoring. So it's not, I'm not reaching for the stars with this one. It's just, I think in an injury absence provided, I do think he can fill the gap. Well, at least 33, uh, 66% of the time, I think he can fill the gap. 33% of the time you're going to put him in, a, in your lineup and he's going to miss. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, I mentioned Moomer as one of my linebacker risers last week um, for many of the same reasons as those that you brought up there. So it was nice to see him play the the kind of the, the sizable role that we expected him to in Lloyd's absence last week. Um, I, I've got concerns about his ability in coverage. Um, he was not that, very good in coverage. He wasn't very good at run defense. He, he, okay, I need to, I, I should have prefaced this. <laughs> He wasn't very good. He scored decent yeah. points, but dear God, the PFF grades were horrendous. Like his tackle yeah. grade, and his run, de- his run defense grade were both through the floor. So don't don't hear what I'm not saying. It's not like I think he's a superstar talent. This is an opportunity over talent perspective at the moment. I I totally get you, and I'm not I'm actually not too concerned about the the missed tackles. It wasn't a problem for him last year when he when he got a, a larger role uh, after the midway point in the season. So that that concerns me less. Like I'm happy to write that one off as a you know a one game anomaly. Um, the coverage, his ability in coverage does concern me, but it doesn't concern me for this week because 
what options do they really have there? I know they got um, Ventral Miller in the draft. I forget where they drafted him. It was too early, though. Uh, I think it was the third, fourth round or something like that. Yeah, I think, I think he was a day two guy, and, and most people had him pegged as like a late day three. Yeah, but he's he's not going to be ready. He's not going to be any better than uh, than Mumu, and I'm not a big fan anyway um, of uh, of Miller. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be Mumu again. He's going to play almost every down again, if not every down. And he sh- he's, he's got he's got every every chance to be to be productive. And this is a weekly show, so maybe I'm wrong about talking about his long term projections. But yeah, I'm, I'm concerned concerned about him. But I'm also concerned about Lloyd, to be honest with you, because he doesn't look too special in that in that area either. Um, so yeah, let's let's watch this space. But for week five, I don't hate it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're going to steal a man's job while he's injured, you better play a lot better than. Uh, he did last week let's put it that way so but yeah he, it's not like Lloyd's can kick him off the field while he's back in Jacksonville resting up a, on thumb surgery so exactly. plug him in this plug him in this week yeah yeah I'm with you uh, so my next guy is uh, David Long Jr um, I've got him at uh, LB38 one spot behind Mario Davis and one ahead of Javon Bentley um, so the, the Dolphins have, have really been keeping on, us on our toes uh, with their off-ball linebackers this year. Uh, Jerome Baker was the every-down guy in the first few weeks, and then Long's role kind of grew from week one to week two because Van Ginkle, uh, who had spent the majority of his uh, opening game in the linebacker spot, he was moved to the edge to help replace uh, Jalen Phillips. We all know that. But, but Long... Uh, actually outsnapped Baker last week, earning a, a 93% snap share to Baker's 76%. Um, so yeah, that's 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 something I want to keep an eye on. Now, Long has been getting, uh, quite rightly been getting, a lot of criticism from uh, many from Dolphins fans uh, this week for some of the poor reads. Uh, there was one in particular led to a, to a really long run. Um so yeah, it may cost him his job if if he can't improve pretty pretty rapidly. They may flip back to to Baker. Um, the situation still in flux is basically what I'm saying. And the next few weeks will be telling, especially once Phillips gets back. But for now, uh, one thing's pretty clear: Baker is is seemingly trended downwards, and Long's stock appears to be on the rise. Certainly as a fantasy asset, anyway. Yeah, so it's it, he's been so inconsistent this year. I'm just I'm just having a look at the um at the PFF grades for him. And, and yep. week one he played he played really limited because I remember there was a lot of preseason hype around him in the IDP community that had sort of trickled over into uh, it was po- it was one of the, I think it was like preseason week two or week three had sort of trickled over into like the normie NFL stuff. Like uh, I know like uh, Austin Gale formerly of PFF I can't remember where he works for now. Um, and then uh, Nate Tice both had like like threads about David Long in one of the one of the preseason games where he just lit up the stat sheet and just looked incredible on the field. But then, as we all know, preseason is not real. Like the the stuff that we see in preseason doesn't like a lot of the time it, it won't it, it it won't consistently translate. I don't want to say it won't translate, but it won't consistently translate. Um, and then week one, he got limited. He got limited amount of snaps. He only played seventeen in week one, and then that bumped to sixty-two in week two, and then it was back down to thirty-six in week three, and up to fifty-four in week four. But in weeks one and four, like he's, he's kind of had an amazing grade sandwich, like because he. <laughs> like, hear me out. Hear me out. My food analogies, man. Hear me out. Um, I like it. 
Keep him uh, coming. Yeah, just because like weeks one and four, he, he, he his total defensive grade was like 40, essentially. Like 39.7 in week one, 40.9 in week two. Uh, sorry, in week four. But weeks two and three, 79.5 overall grade with an 80.8 tackle grade. Um, and then in week three, 75.3 overall grade with an 83.1 run defense grade. So he's like, it's like an amazing sandwich with moldy bread is what we've seen from David Long so far. Where like as long as you pick around the as long as you pick around the crust, you've just got juicy, juicy steak in the middle so far is what he's given us. So I don't know what you what you get for dessert. Like week five is dessert. I don't know what's coming. Like what did you order off the menu? Um, it, 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 literally, it could be it could be either way. But I think this defense, the Bills. I'm oh, sorry. The after the Bills game, the Dolphins defense is probably looking at themselves a little bit, going. We just got the brakes beat off us by a team that has one option. Like you know, it was Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs. That's that's yep. all it was. Like, and that's like if Kadeko, who was alive after the the beating that, that Stefan Diggs gave him, and then his co- his coach would have given him, like he got cooked by Diggs. Um, but it's it's going to be an entirely different style matchup with the Giants, like. You're not, you're not, there's, there's, they've got like 77 slot receivers and Darren Waller. Like, you're not getting beaten by an amazing outside guy. So I think there's going to be a lot of action over the middle. And if David Long's standing out there, he should hopefully get involved in the action. Yeah, that's if they start to use Waller. That is, I, I lost on a, on a, on a, an accumulator the other week on, sorry, a parlay on, on, on Waller, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, I guess he's my, he's, he's my version of your Chad Moomer, I guess, this so week. I just, I just I reckon- looked at the Two wrecks apart. <laughs> yeah, I, I recognize he's not, he's not, he's not a great player. He, he's always been a mediocre linebacker for me, even, uh, even last year. Um, so yeah, I, I know he's not great. I'm just liking the way this is trending for his week five value. Um, and it, I am relying on that continuing. Um, and if it doesn't, if they flip back again, then obviously this is going to be a really bad pick. But, um, yeah, maybe like you say, they, they start to take a look at what went wrong. Uh, you know, they got they got fifty points put up on them, or near enough. Um, maybe they start to reflect on what went wrong there. But I think it is one of the better offenses they've played this year. Who's the first guy who uh, who you are not liking this week? So the, the 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 two guys that I'm not liking, and again, I'm I think I just bundle things together. Like the the way the way that I've gone about these two guys that I don't like is um, I feel like if I walked past them in a crowded street, I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. Um, I've gone for, so my first one, my first one is Cody Barton. Like he's just, Cody Barton to me feels like a generic, like, did you ever play Microsoft Wii? I did. Yeah. I feel like Cody Barton to me looks like someone's taken a me character and just like put them on an NFL field and then given them like real life, like real life texturization. Like he's just a generic blank white dude. Um, and I just I can't get on board with the fact that you've got him. Uh, where did I see it? It was like, yeah, LB thirteen. Now I get it. Yeah, he's, he's playing the Bears. I, I understand. I understand the allure, um, but I've got a counterpoint for you. Mm-hmm. I don't really think Cody Barton's very good. Um, I kind of feel like he's just a body in a uniform on the field all the time. Like he's playing a hundred, he's playing a hundred percent of snaps. So it's not like I, it's and and again, 
I always feel bad when I say things like, I don't think he's very good when I'm sitting here in my attic sort of thing, like recording a podcast, (laughs) talking about how someone's not very good when he's in like the 0.1% of like physical athletes doing a job that I dream I wish I could. Um, But I don't, there's no ceiling. Like it's just Cody Barton is very, very good at running around the field and making tackles and there's not really much else. Like, and against the team, that uh and again with these linebackers i'm literally just going to keep like copy pasting macri's work to help like help my arguments um the bears the bears were third worst in tackle efficiency allowed and linebacker tackles allowed per game going into into week four um there's just not a lot so cody barton's really really good at running around the field making tackles from the linebacker position but the bears aren't really giving up a lot of tackles at the linebacker position and i just don't know what he's going to do if they're not giving them to him yeah, I just like the, the tackle volume. He's averaging, what, nine tackles a, a game so far this season. I get that he's not a, a flashy player, um, but he does have that, you know, that every down roll ahead of uh, ahead of Jameen Davis. Um, doesn't look likely to give it up anytime soon. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's just a steady performer so far this year for me. I, I didn't know how it was going to play out when uh, Barton was signed. I thought it was going to be Davis. And obviously Davis has had... Quite a few uh, off off field issues, mainly around just not being able to look at speed limits and adhere to them, right? But, um, <laughs> yeah, his, yeah. his off his off field vision isn't great. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Barton's just a, a steady performer for me. You know, if I know a guy can get nine tackles a game, he's he's going to be an LB two for me. Um, yeah, and that's kind of just, where, I've, where I've got Barton. So who are you? Um, who are you? Who are you not looking forward to this week then? As your as your first guy. Yeah, Shaquille Shaquille Leonard headlines for me. Um, so he's 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 unranked. Uh, was previously my uh, LB forty five. He's been sliding for for, for weeks. Um, in fact, he's one of the few players that's that's consistently slid until this week, who uh, and he's now unranked. He just he just doesn't look like the the dynamic playmaker we all. You know, we coveted a few years back. Um, it looks like the injuries of uh, the last two years have kind of caught up with him and. We're seeing that kind of play out in terms of his diminishing role in that, in that defense. His snap share from, from week one to week four goes 86%, 71, 69. And then last week was, was 45%. Um, and obviously as a result of that, that reduced role, his, his production has been really poor. He's got 19 tackles through four games and, and no big plays to, to really speak of. It doesn't help him that uh, he's got EJ Speed nipping at his heels, and it it definitely doesn't help him that that Speed has been far more productive despite playing you know fifty or so fewer snaps. That's a whole game uh, less than Leonard. So yeah, Speed's role continues to grow larger each week, uh, and last week was actually the first time when he played a bigger role than Leonard. Um, just just don't like what we're seeing from Leonard. It's probably too late to hop off the train if you're looking to trade him. Um, but yeah, he's he's. Does, thoroughly deserves not to be ranked this week, in my opinion. I want to disagree with you, but I can't. Like it makes me, it makes me so sad. Like I remember, sort of rookie rookie year maniac, like twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, twenty eighteen was his draft year. He was part of that like insane linebacker draft class that gave us like Roquan Smith, Darius Leonard, Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, and he was he was a second round guy. Like all of these guys were first round guys, and were, were, were and and he was he came out. He was a second second round guy, and he blew the socks off of all of. Them. He was incredible, and he gave us 
like 150 tackles. But then it was, you know, he was the peanut Tillman punch. He was so many, there were so many forced fumbles and there was INTs and there was like defensive touchdowns. And it was, he was amazing. And then, like you say, injuries have just, like he's just a shell of a man on that field now. Like I wonder if he's, if he's literally, if they're keeping him for that snap share, just purely for motivational side of it. Cause he's like, you hear him speaking sometimes, like they do like the mic'd up segments and stuff. And he's, he's an amazing, like, huddle presence guy and he's got the nouse he just like you know he can he can diagnose the play and everything he just his body just doesn't get him there anymore i'm just as 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 sad as you are about about how this is uh this is kind of playing out he was one of my one of my favorite linebackers um for for a long time and it's it's really disappointing to see um i'd be i'd feel it might sound bizarre to say but i'd feel a lot happier if he was on the injury report and there was um you know reasons for his his, his 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 reduced role and his, yeah. his poor performances, but um, yeah, it's 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 really sad to see. Who's the second linebacker that you that you hate for week five? Oh, I absolutely hate. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's the uh, it's the copy paste version of Cody Barton. It's Big Bob Spillane. Um, it's just it's generic white guy number two. Like I'm I'm building a cinema movie, um, and we can put in the credits generic white guy one played by Cody Barton. Generic white guy too, played by Robert Spillane. Like it's just it's it's same thing, different uniform. Uh, I'm just not feeling it. It's like he's playing 100 percent of the snaps. This is how this is how sort of like generically similar they are. Cody Barton's averaging 11.38 points per game across the first four weeks on 67 snaps a game. Robert Spillane is averaging 11.94 points per game across the first four weeks on 67 points per game, <laughs> uh, 67 snaps per game, like. It's it's they're just same dude, different uniform, except where Cody Barton's bad at everything except tackling. Bob's bad at tackling and is okay at everything else. Like it's just, I'm just not feeling it, man. Like you've got him at LB15, and at least he's got a sack. So if I look at his stat line, it's one more than Cody Barton's. Cody Barton's 37 tackles, one fumble recovery, two QB hits. Bob Spillane, 33 tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, and a QB hit. So he's got one extra column there. And at least he can get into the backfield and, and provide those tackles for a loss. But I'm still like, it's just the Raiders are playing the Packers. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is just going to eat him for breakfast. And I really see this game being one where the Packers come out and try and prove their offense. Like with Watson coming back, Aaron Jones coming back. And I can, I can easily see the, the Packers just with the way that the Raiders looked against uh, – who did they play last week? Was it the Chargers? Chargers, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and I can just see, like, weirdly enough, I never thought I'd hear myself saying this sentence, but I can see myself seeing Jordan Love just put foot in ass. And, um, and it's just the, the Raiders are just going to get blown off the park, especially if Jimmy G's not back from concussion and they're, they're playing Aiden O'Connell and they're just, their defense is on the field every other minute. So – yeah, um, I, I do. I don't agree. Um, I I'm not a huge Spillane fan. Um, but the only the only thing I don't agree with is is this is is the idea. The only thing I think he's good at is is run defense and, and tackling. Maybe less so this year than in, than last year. But but we had a larger sample size last year to look at. So I'm I believe more in that than I do in in the last four games. And I think against the the Packers, uh, you mentioned Aaron Jones. Um, I think. 
think Spillane could be could be a big performer in that game. So for that reason, I have him ranked as my as my LB fifteen. If he can get back to performing like he did as a run defender last year, I think in every other respect he's a pretty poor player. What I try and do is is detach myself from this idea of of, of having to rank my players. Good players, how, bad players. How good yeah, they are. Yeah. I've got I've got I've got dynasty ranks where I do where I do more some, something more akin to that where you know good players uh, especially the young guys obviously are, are ranked a lot higher than the likes of the the Cody Barnes the the Robert Spillanes but for the purposes of uh, of a weekly rank uh, against the team that I think are going to run it a lot um, him being a player who has shown some proficiency in 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 run defense. Um, last year, um, I I, I kind of like his his outlook for this week. He just needs to hope that Aaron Jones gets the ball more than AJ Dillon because if it's AJ Dillon, the D line's getting all those tackles because AJ Dillon just runs straight up the ass of his O line and he doesn't go anywhere <laughs> else. So yeah. he's not getting he's not getting a chance to make that tackle. It's just just into the O line and fall over. Like yeah, could be, could be. Um, so my second guy is uh, one of the best names in football, Divine Diablo. Um, I've got him as uh, my LB31. LB31, one ahead of uh, Alex Anzalone and one ahead uh, um, of Alex Singleton. And I think I've it been quite sense. kind. It makes sense that you, you don't like him if you do like Spillane. It all, it all yeah. makes sense. So two reasons. <laughs> two reasons with, uh, with Diablo. Firstly, his, his production's been, been pretty mediocre. He's got uh, 27 tackles through four games. Uh, averaging just under seven, I think that is quick maths. Um, and secondly, his, his snap share uh, is diminishing, um, not by a lot, but enough to make me concerned that if that trend continues this week, it could drop to somewhere in that sort of low to mid seventy percent range, which which is significant. Um, he played almost every down through the first two weeks. Um, his snap share then dropped to eighty four percent in week three, and last week it was just at seventy one percent. Um, Spillane, we talked about him. He continues to play every down. And it's interesting to see that, uh, that even Luke Masterson, uh, who played only a, a handful of snaps in the first three weeks, uh, not sort of 25% snap share last week. Um, is this, you know, is this a sign of things to come? Question for you, really. Uh, it's probably, in my opinion, it's too early to draw anything conclusive, but I just don't like where this is heading. There's not a single name you've got listed ahead of him that I would take him over. And in fact, there's guys behind him that I would possibly look to move up above him. Like, uh, you've got Henry Toro Toro behind him. I'd probably move him up. You've like, um, David Long and Chad Moomer, who we talked about before. I'd probably move them ahead of him as well. Like, it's just, yeah. It, yeah. It's just troubling seeing like such a, a, like a drastic drop of like 25% of snaps just gone. Yep. Yeah, I don't. I don't wholly disagree with uh, you saying about a couple of those guys move ahead of him. As I said, like I think I have been a bit kind to Diablo with that with that ranking. I always adjust them um, on a Thursday night. Um, something I should have mentioned to the audience before. I always adjust them on a Thursday and again on a Sunday um, to take into account, you know, any any, le- any latest injury news and such like. So yeah, he might he might see he might drop even further then. Um, I'd be keen to look out for any news, uh, any comments from uh, out of Raiders camp this week that might give us a clue as to as to what their intentions are. But I suspect we'll hear nothing and we'll just have to wait until Sunday and see how this plays out. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's uh, let's talk uh, defensive linemen. 
Um, who is the first defensive lineman who you are keen on for week five? It is probably one of the most polarizing players at the defensive line edge position. Um, and it's Chase Young. He missed week one and I went, are we doing it Here again? Here we go again. Here we like, go. We, uh, yeah, yeah hundred. That, that was the thing because it was like all through camp. It was like it was like they didn't put him on pup. I don't. I can't. I, yeah, they didn't put him on pup. Um, and then they came out and they're like, oh, he'll he, he might be ready to play week one. And then week one rolled around. They're like, oh, he's not ready yet. And I was just like, here we go. Like it's the it's the um Grand Theft Auto San Andreas meme. Is the oh here we go again. <laughs> and <laughs> um and then week two rolls around. And I was like, oh, oh, do we have Chase Young? Is, 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 this, is it happening? Is it happening? And we haven't had the explosion. 18 and a half points in week two, down week in week three. And then this past week again, uh, 15.75 points as he, he racked up another sack against Philly. And the grades are there. He's averaging, so across the three games, he's averaging 13.68 points. There's no tackle for. I will be honest with you right now. Like you are, you are hunting for sack production. It is, it is sack or bust. Um, because he's got, he's, he's averaging three tackles a game. He's got two and a half sacks, four QB hits. He's playing eighty percent of the snaps though. That is the thing that's so encouraging for me. And that's with him having a reduced snap share in his first week back in week two, where I think he only played about seventy percent. Like this past week, he was up close to ninety percent snap share. And I'm comparing him. To Montez Sweat because you've got Chase Young at DL24 Edge 18. You've got Sweat as like a top 10 guy. Young's got 18.1% pass rush from weight. Sweat's is 11.1. I just, my whole stick this week is I think you've got Sweat too high and I think you've got Young too low and I think they should be more meeting in the middle. Okay, yeah, I take your point. Um, I am high on Chase Young, uh, so much so that he is also my first DL riser this week. Yes, my um, man. For, yeah, <laughs> for, for all the reasons, all the reasons you mentioned. Um, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of encouraged by what we've seen so far this season. Um, one of the points I would add to, uh, to one of the points you made is that he's been relatively productive despite playing against some some really good uh really good left tackles uh he's faced garrett bowles uh dion dawkins and lane johnson and yet still managed to put up you know 16 pressures and, and three sacks in in three games and that's that's some pretty stiff competition right there isn't it right um oh yeah this and week it's justin fields this week <laughs> yeah and that's what it's all about so, yeah this week uh playing the bears the bears have allowed 19 sacks, the third most of any NFL team. And left left tackle Larry, Larry Borum is not is not close to any of those three players I just mentioned a moment ago. In fact, he was he was kind of schooled by the Broncos uh, last week. He wasn't the only culprit in in allowing Nick Nick Benito and, and Jonathan Cooper to have big games, but he was arguably the worst offensive lineman for the Bears. So yeah, I'm fully on board with uh, with Chase Young. And just to address the the point about Young and Sweat. I have more confidence in Sweat because I know who he is. Uh, I've seen what he can do. He's a guy who's on the fringe of 10 sacks every season. I, it's, it's only been three games with Young. I'm, I'm yet to have that confidence in him um, that he can return to that rookie season form or even maybe go one, one better than that. So 
if he continues to produce as he has, then yeah, that gap will definitely close. Um, I do consider the two to be fairly similar as far as um, what they've done so far this year. I just have more confidence in Sweat. Who's the second uh, defensive lineman who you like? Yeah, the only guy I like, I've gone for the chonky boys. I've gone, I've gone for the inside guys um, because I was just scrolling through your ranks and this one just sort of slapped me in the face because I was like, uh, um, it's Ed Oliver. Uh, you've got him at DT15, D-line 53. Yep. Um, it, it, like that, that to me, uh, like you do know that Ed Oliver is the DT1 so far on uh, seasonal scoring. Like no, no defensive tackle has scored more points than Ed Oliver. Just, just throwing that out there just casually. Um, I'm but, aware. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know he's, he's he's casually just averaging sixteen point two seven points per game. You know, fifteen tackles, six tackles for a loss, three sacks, seven QB hits. Uh, I'm assuming it's because he's only playing thirty six snaps a game. Like that's that's got to be it's it's got to be the Bills rotation is the reason you're like no 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 bye bye bye. Um, Twelve pressures, uh, two and a half sacks, nine point two percent win rate. So that's good. It's not incredible. Um, but I'm loving the fact that he's just eating interior offensive linemen for breakfast and he is just crushing. Like, six tackles for a loss is monumental through four games, like, uh, especially for an interior lineman. So that man is just a space eater, but he's blowing by, he's blowing by uh, interior linemen and he's just eating running backs for breakfast. And Buffalo plays Jacksonville this week and Jacksonville does like to run the ball. Um, and Trevor Lawrence isn't incredible at evading pressure. Like he's, he's, he's middle of the pack. He's not, it's not like he's been sacked all the time, but it's, uh, as it stands, like for, for sacks, Jacksonville is averaging a sack a game versus opposing DTs. So they're giving up one per game. Uh, they're 30th in the league currently, uh, in sacks allowed to DTs. Um, so if they're going to give up one sack to a defensive tackle, I'm thinking that sack's going to go to Ed Oliver. So the reason I've got him here is uh, is, is because, like you say, his, his snap share isn't great. Also because um, the Jaguars uh, have only given up um, – have a look. I know it's relatively low. So Lawrence has only been sacked eight times this year uh, in, and, in four games, which is, which is four of those, low. four of those have gone to the defensive tackles. <laughs> I'll take your point. I'll take your point. But this comes back to, and I'll make a wider point here. When we, when we, when we look at players and they're performing really well, and we say, you know, that that guy is a, a DT twelve. Are we remembering the the other guys that we're talking about in in the list above him? This it's really easy to say. And I'm not saying you're doing this, but it's really easy to say, yeah, that guy's a. He should be a top twelve uh, edge. And it's not until you start to to do the rankings and look at some of the talent, especially at the DT position, especially in the last few years, that you start to you start to actually start to second guess yourself about some of these guys and realize that, you know, he might be playing particularly well right now, but there are some there are some superstars ahead of him on that list. I know that Oliver's an ascending player. Um, I'm not going to fight you too hard on this one because, you know, the, the proof's in the pudding, right? And we've seen him play really well through four weeks. The first thing I, I, I look to when I, when I try and question whether or not the sack rate is sustainable is, is the pressure rate. And this is, this is partly where I've got problems with, with Oliver. He's produced, he's produced his sacks despite only producing 12 pressures. Now, 
you'd be a madman to think that he would be able to sustain a 25% sack rate or finishing rate through the rest yeah. of the season. You know what I mean? It's, and that's probably the reason why his PFF pass rush grade, along with his win rate, is is so low. I just I just don't think it's sustainable. Um, I would love it to be. I, I I really liked Ed Oliver coming out. He's taken a long time to get there, but you know we've seen people like Dexter Lawrence go from being uh, you know a couple of sacks, three, four, five sacks a season, to all of a sudden being one of the most um, impactful pass rushes at the position and it's not a position that people can immediately be great at it does take time mm-hmm. so i'm not i'm not ruling out the possibility that that ed oliver could could have taken that leap into that uh, in into the bottom half of that upper echelon of defensive tackles i just don't think that his performances so far are going to be sustainable over a longer period i guess is what i'm saying so my my next guy is uh josh Uche. um so i've gone i've gone pretty deep Pretty deep with this one. Um, I've got him as my edge 39 or my DL 54 this week. That's, uh, that's actually one place behind Ed Oliver and, uh, and one ahead of, uh, of Byron Young. Um, he's, he's a guy that's intrigued me for, for a while. He's, he's played such a relatively small role for the Pats uh, for years, especially last year. There was only one game, one single game where he played more than a half of the defensive snaps available, more than 50%. And yet he still finished with 56 pressures, including 12 sacks. Uh, and his 19.6% pressure rate was the best among all edge rushers in the league. I think Rashan Gary was second. Um, but yeah, Uche oh. was, was number one. On, on any other team, right, that, that kind of production would be rewarded with a larger role the next season. Uh, but this is the Pats. Uh, so despite having Matthew uh, Judon, Dietrich Wise, and Uche, they they went out and drafted us another second round rookie in uh, Keon White. So again, Uche has been playing a, a small role this year, but he's continued to make the most of his opportunity, producing 15 pressures and two sacks despite rushing the passer only 64 times. Now, the big news, of course, is that, uh, and the reason he's entering my rankings for the first time this year is, is that Matthew Judon is going to miss uh, the next few months with a bicep injury. And that kind of has me. I think he might be going for the season. Oh, for the season! Sorry, I didn't see that. I, I haven't think, looked since. Uh, I, I haven't. I haven't seen. I haven't seen it yet. But I was looking at reports that um, that they think he he literally could miss the rest of the year because wow, bad. Oh, wow! I, I, I the last one I saw was uh, I think it was Tom Pelissaro. He said it could be could be as at least two months. But yeah, I'll have to I'll have to go back and double check that. Well, hey, that kind of works in in my favor in this particular nomination, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, that kind of has me low-key excited, sorry, Judon, uh, about seeing Uche in a larger role. And I'm interested to see what he, what he can do with it. Also, the, the, the Pats uh, face the Saints this weekend, and it's a pretty good matchup for the Patriots' edge rushers. Carr's been sacked uh, 13 times this year, sixth most in the NFL. Uh, Ryan Ramchick's a good left tackle, uh, but he's allowed three sacks in the last two games. And on the other side, Trevor Penning, he's, he's just really struggled. He's ranked ninth amongst all offensive tackles in pressures allowed. So, yeah, let's see what Uche can do with a larger workload. What's your thoughts? That's, that's the only thing. Does he, does he get the larger workload? That's, that's literally the only thing that would stop me from sort of rubber stamping this. It's, I don't trust Bill Belichick in any way, shape, or form when it comes to defensive, defensive rotational players. Like, 
do we just see more of Dietrich Wise and like does, do we see more of Keon White like you mentioned you know promising young rookie drafted in the second round like what happens with this rotation like why has he decided that Josh, Josh Uche is only worth a 50% snap share so that's the that's the only thing that, that worries me is is what is his scheme for him to like to keep this guy that's been so talented when he's been on the field why do you not give him more play and if you're not giving him more play for a very specific reason, does Matt Judon being injured affect that very specific reason or not? And that's that's the only thing. That's a very good point. It's a very good point. Um, you know, Wise Wise was pretty productive last year. He had like fifty uh, something pressures and uh, seven eight sacks. So I, I can understand why Uche hasn't been getting as much love as I would like him to, but I think he still deserves more than he's been getting. And as you say, it could be all three guys in, see an increase in in, uh, in in snap share. I mean, White's been pretty similar to Uche through the first four games of the season, so that would make some sense. Uh, I just think that uh, you know Uche was able to be productive on in limited snap share last year. He was been able to be productive in limited snap share this year. If he sees even a what 10, 15, 20% increase, uh, again, low key excited. This is a deep one, as I say, and that's the reason why he's ranked so low still. If I, if I was confident he was going to be getting 70, 65, 70% oh, yeah. of the snaps, I'd, I'd have him, I'd have him way higher than I do, but yeah, sure. I've got him, I've got him as low as I do for the reason that you mentioned, I guess. We don't, Makes we sense. don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Yeah. And that makes that makes perfect sense. So that's it's not like we're sitting here arguing over Josh, Josh Uche being like aged fifteen. Yeah, I mean, just at least add him, even if you're not going to start him. Add him, wait a week, see how this plays out, and then if it doesn't play out in the way that I would like it to, um, then then obviously you've you've tweet lost Jay. nothing. Yeah, yeah tweet me. Let, let him know. Tell, <laughs> tell, me, tell me what an idiot I am. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Screenshot yeah, us your bad beats if uh, if Josh Uche <laughs> loses you your week. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we with that we're moving on to the DL fallers. So who yes. don't you like on the defensive line this week and why? I okay. I want to caveat this um, with. The fact that you've just asked me who I don't like on the defensive line, and I find that offensive because I really like this player on the defensive line. Um, it's just the difference between how you had him and Ed Oliver ranked. And the guy I'm talking about is Jeffrey Simmons. And I'm not I'm not going to argue Simmons' production. I'm not going to argue Simmons' pedigree. I'm, you, can't, you can't make me because he's incredible. He is uh, just a, a man mountain that destroys interior offensive lines. But I literally just made that point that so does Ed Oliver. Um, and it, it's just... Previous production um, across the season so far, you know, obviously we've got a bigger sample size of, of Jeffrey Simmons doing it for longer, but it's more, my, my whole point is more, I feel like there should be, again, like I, like I said with um, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, even though these two are on different teams, I feel like there should be a closer gap between Ed Oliver and, and Jeffrey Simmons. So I'm just a little bit lower on Simmons uh, for this week in his matchup where they are playing, I was actually just looking at it as well, um, Colts. they are playing the Colts, and I feel like the Colts' weakness is on the outside. It's not on the inside. And that's yeah. why I am, am a little bit lower on, on, on Simmons. But the fact that you said I don't like him, I take, take offense with that, because I, I love Jeffrey Simmons. The guy is a monster. 
He is. He is. And we, we again, going back to an earlier point, and it's, 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 it's one of the biggest um, questions I have for myself each week with these rankings is how reactive to be to what I've seen in, in, in recent weeks versus what I know a player is capable of over a larger sample size. And there's always a balance between the two that, uh, that can be a challenge to try and reach. So with Simmons, we know he's a monster. He's been doing it for years um, you know, he's that he's that rare DT who, who who will be knocking on the door or exceeding ten sacks each year. Um, and if you're the kind of person that invests heavily in the PFF pass rush grades, you'll you'll see that this year his his pass rush grade is better than it's ever been before. Uh, I think he can have an impact against the the Colts, and I will not stand for your slander. At all. <laughs> How dare you? Don't you put those words in my mouth? Don't you? Don't you dare? <laughs> just, just wait till, just wait till Josh hears you as well, and he, uh, and he's uh, the biggest. No, I, I'm not. No, because we can go back. We can go back to the pre-show we did for the after show, and I'm pretty sure I, I said this salivating at the mouth uh, as Jake as Jake uh, waxed poetically about uh, a big about big Jason. <laughs> well, uh, look. Uh, let's say this: if 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 Ed Oliver records more sacks than uh, than Jeffrey Simmons this year, we've we've got to come up with. Uh, oh, with, with I thought we, I thought we were doing it. I thought we were doing it this week. I thought we, this is a weekly ranking show. I thought we might might have a head-to-head <laughs> discussion. Ed, 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 Big Ed versus Jason. I'm I'm happy to take that bet. Uh, we've got yeah. to decide on what, what one gives the other. But yeah, yeah, I I'm happy to take that one. But I'm sure I can find if if I uh, if I lose, I'm sure I can find something on Amazon to to send to you. You know, same country, same next day shipping. We can uh, we can get hey. this sorted. Likewise, definitely. Maybe an NFL cap or something. We can maybe have to figure something oh, more man. interesting. But we'll, yeah, we'll figure. Yeah, it's we'll, there's a definitely definitely something that we can come up with, and you can let, you can let everybody know what I shipped you on next week's show, and just be like, <laughs> I got this. <laughs> I've, I have never pulled more for Jeffrey Simmons than I will do this week. Um, right, so my, my first guy is uh, Byron Young. Um, so this might, that might seem a bit of an odd one. I've got him as uh, my edge 40, DL 55, one behind Uche and one ahead of Jermaine Johnson. Uh, you know, he's had a fast start to his, his, his career uh, and to the year with three sacks in his first three games. Uh, kudos to him. He's you know he's played a much larger role than we'd expect, or at least that I expected. His snap share for an edge rusher is ridiculously high. It's like in the nineties in each of the last three or four games, and that's kind of like what Max Max Crosby esque, isn't it? Um, oh, but I just like yeah. But I, I hate it. I hate Young's matchup this weekend. That's what it comes down to. Um, he spends time on both the left and the right edge, um, so he's going up against. Land, uh, sorry, Lane Johnson and Jordan Mailata. Uh, I don't like. I don't like it at all. They're going to make life really difficult for him. I also think the game script won't work in his favour uh, unless the Rams can can cause an upset. Um, they'll be playing from behind, and if the Eagles do get ahead and turn to the, the ground game, that will limit Young's pass rush opportunities. If I've got Josh chasing after me for my Jeffrey Simmons takes, you've got Bob coming after you for the slander on his Rams. Like he's not, he's not going to stand for it whatsoever. Tell got him, a, tell, he's got a long way to come. Un- I'm, I'm, a, yeah, I'm a long way away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's going to be an un- he'll chase you on his mower, like Bob on his mower, <laughs> running you down. Um, saying, saying it's going to be uh, an unfavorable pass, uh, an unfavorable game script there for the Rams. Like they, 
they're, they're proving everybody wrong. I thought they were going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, and um, they said, why do we need Caleb Williams when we have Pukunakua? So you can do that. Um, I just, I kind of feel like Byron Young is every Rams edge rusher ever that is benefiting from Aaron Donald just like commanding double and triple teams and beating double and triple teams over and over and over again. And it's meant that he can sort of go one-on-one with whoever's on the outside. And like you said, now he gets to go one-on-one with six-foot-eight Jordan Maialata um, or, or, uh, or, or Lane Johnson. So it's not going to be as, uh, as, as fruitful for him. So like shout out to uh, the athletic, like I love all of their stuff and Jordan Rodriguez who covers the Rams she was on Byron Young right from the start. She said, like, this is going to be the guy, like, he's, he's going to be sort of the, the guy that fills the Leonard Floyd hole. Um, but the thing that Leonard Floyd did really well was finish up what Aaron Donald started. Um, and I don't think that Young is at the same level as what Leonard Floyd was at. And I just think that he's going to struggle. To, this week, this week, let me, again, caveat, this week. Um, I think he's got a bright future ahead of him, but... Uh, he's got an uphill battle against the uh, uh, the two tackles who went to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, yeah. Look, and yeah, that's what it's all about. I think I think he'll finish way above edge. We've forgotten rank edge forty. He'll finish way above the rankings than edge forty in the in the seasonal finishes. It's 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 just about the matchup. Yeah, it's just about and, the matchup. and I I don't even know if the Eagles are going to have to pass that much because they've been doing reduced passing as it is, like. Last two weeks, Hertz has had to throw a little bit more. Um, he threw thirty-seven, especially because the Washington game, you know, went over. Yeah, went to overtime. Um, so he threw thirty-seven times last week, thirty-seven times week four. But in their win against Minnesota, he threw twenty-three times. Like if they get if they get out in front, uh, like you think they could do against the Rams, he's not going to need to drop back, and it's going to be DeAndre Swift and um, and Kenny Gainwell until the cows come home and then it's just who what are you hoping for like a couple of tackles for a loss to to, to boost this production like yeah it is what it is yeah. unfortunately let's go on to player two who uh, i'm not going to say hate i don't want to put words in your mouth um who are you not keen on for uh, for this week second player i'm coming back i'm coming back to london town baby i'm coming back to london town it's the it's the bills jags it's josh allen like the dude's got six sacks in four games um but he's katie perry He's hot and he's cold. Like it's it, and and for this one, it, it's not going to be a yes. It's a no. Um, and I don't know any more lyrics to that song, so I can't keep going with it. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, no. It's 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 my issue is that he's so streaky at the moment. And like I said before about when when someone comes out and has this amazing production in the first four weeks of the season. What are we? What are we supposed to do? Like, do we extrapolate that that six sacks out for the next like seventeen game sample size? Are we giving Josh Allen twenty four sacks on the season? Like, are we expecting this pace to continue? No, I'm not. Especially not against the Buffalo Bills. Like, it's it's the two guys that he's beat up on, right? Is he he uh, he had an amazing game against Indy? That's Anthony Richardson's first game as a professional. Week one, Anthony Richardson's first game as a professional. Then he went quiet against Houston. Did absolutely nothing. Went quiet. Sorry, went quiet against KC first. Then he went quiet against Houston. And then he lit up the score sheet again against Desmond Ritter. 
and the, the Falcons' absolute quagmire of an offensive line. Like, it, it, it's... The, I think with Josh Allen, you can kind of look at his schedule and predict when he's going to go boom. Like, it, he's got the... We love to talk about the contract year narrative. Like, he's, he's out there hunting for that, for that contract. But there's going to be certain games where him as a player, I just don't think are going to be games where he's able to do it. And I don't see this game against Buffalo and his nemesis. One thing I want to mention, right? Last time these two dudes played, Josh Allen and Josh Allen, 2021. So that's the thing. We've got we've got the, the battle for the name, like name supremacy. Defensive Josh Allen put foot and ass, like of offensive Josh Allen. He, he went ballistic last time these two went head to head. But again, that was 2021, and I think the Buffalo Bills have improved their offensive lining since then. Uh, Josh Allen is a little bit wiser. You know, he's his fifth year in the league now. I just don't see this as the week that we get another multiple set game from Josh. Uh, and you have him as your edge number nine uh, as a top 10 guy. And I do not think he finishes his top 10 in the scoring this this time around. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe not. Uh, you know, Dion Dawkins is a is a capable left tackle. Um, but yeah, Josh Josh Allen, I I I do agree that he's streaky. Um, but this season, in the four games, he's been streaky. Uh, uh, in the past, we've we've seen him produce over again. I know I'm, I'm repeating points here, but uh, across different players, but he's over a larger sample size. He is a he is a plus player. Uh, I like him as an edge rusher. He's he's a guy that uh, continues to get seemingly get better each year. Uh, I don't see a lot to, to dislike about Allen, other than maybe uh, Dion Dawkins um, at, the, at the left tackle spot. The only point I would make is that um, if you look down the the list of DL ranks, the, the the double digit sack guys, the guys who have been doing it for years, they are on the backside of their career. And at some point they're going to tail off and new blood have, has to kind of come through to replace them. I think Josh Allen is, uh, is one of those guys that has the ability to do that. Um, so let's wait and see. Um, yeah, a difference of opinion there, but hey, you know, difference of opinion is good. It's 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 good to get uh, you know different perspectives on this, uh, especially for our audience. So you're not you're not going to find an echo chamber here at the IDP after show. So my uh, my second guy, um, this one will probably raise some eyebrows as well because of how he started this year. But I've I've gone with Daniel Hunter. Uh, he's my edge eleven, DL sixteen, Ooh. one one behind Hargrave, Javon Hargrave, and one ahead of George Karlaftis. Uh, like I say, it's bold. He's a hell of a player. I'm a big fan. He started the year really well. Five sacks, 18 tackles, and a force fumble through four games. It's it's only because he's so good and in such good form that he remains so high in my rankings. But his his matchup is horrible. And not in the traditional sense. The, the Chiefs' offensive tackles are nothing special. They're nothing to write home about at all. Donovan Smith appears to to have dropped off a little bit and, and Juwan Taylor has played poorly in the last few weeks. Just but as we mentioned, every play. Yeah. But as we mentioned on the on the show last week, Patrick Mahomes is is just a master at evading would be sacks. He's he's like Houdini. He's been sacked only twice this year on 162 dropbacks despite playing against the likes of Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Allen, and 
uh, Quinn and Williams. Um, it just it just doesn't add up to a big game for Hunter. Now I will I will caveat this by saying you know with that said he's not the kind of guy who you can drop outside of the the shallowest of leagues. So so do with this what you will. But yeah, not a big fan of his matchup. So let's talk about uh, some DBs. Which DB do you like in Week Five? Um, I've got. I'm. I'm playing by NBA, uh, NBA Jam rules this time, my man. Um, and I'm staying in the flames with that uh, with Dax Hill. So Dax has been the number two overall DB to this point so far, um, and I still think he's going to continue to put up great numbers. Now I know that I'm kind of talking out both sides of my mouth right now because for half the podcast. I've been sitting here saying, well, something's going to give, you know, it's going <laughs> to, you can't do this. It's not going to extrapolate across an entire season and regression's going to set in. And, um, but I just think at the moment where I look at the the ranking that you've got of him there at, at DB15 against the Cardinals, who, don't get me wrong, they are out kicking their coverage with the way that they've been playing with, with Josh Dobbs coming in like a week before the season started and getting them out of the tanking basement and they've been feisty in their game so far, but I still think yep. there's going to be plenty of opportunities to be had because Hill is flying around the field. Like Nick Scott's good, but he's not an, an exceptional talent of a player. He's just, he's just a good body to have at the back end. He's a reliable guy. Jordan Battle is a rookie. He's playing in, in limited snaps. They're, they're, they're using him in three safety looks, but he's predominantly playing in a deep role. Dax Hill was a first round draft pick. Like they, when they took him, they they took him expecting him to be a playmaker to inherit this role after, like with the Jesse Bates and Von Bell leaving. Like he was their contingency plan. They were like, "We're going to take you, and we're going to let these guys walk out the door." Um, he's got he's got nearly thirty five tackles across the four games. He's, he's in the backfield. He's got four tackles for a loss. He's got two picks. He's got sacks so far. He's got passes defended. He's doing he's doing everything we want from him. He's all over the field. Um, and I just think that to have him outside the top 12, um, the the only thing is like ranking DBs, I can imagine is kind of like just throwing mud at a wall. Like there's no, there's no real sort of rhyme or reason to have DBs. That, like it's, I know, I know Tom K talks about it with seasonal rankings of DBs that, that that's, the safety position is the most fluid position year over year over year the guys that we we think are great just can just be gone just like that um but i just don't think this is the week that it happens for dex Hill. okay okay uh yeah i'm a big fan you know he's 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 risen in my rankings you know meteorically no no player i don't think at the safety position is is is, is risen as as much as dax hill so it's not a question that i of me not liking him. Um, it's just that, well, I disagree with the Arizona Cardinals being a good matchup for him. I don't think Dobbs has thrown a, a single interception this season. And obviously a lot, a lot of Dax Hill's points have come from those two interceptions, or they certainly helped massively anyway. So like you said, you know, there's, it's, it's not going to continue. He's not going to end the season with nine interceptions. That's, that's, that's really really optimistic at best. Um, so, yeah, I think against a team, against a quarterback that has been really careful with the ball, um, maybe too conservative with the ball is, is, is not a good matchup for Hill. I can, I can feel you. I can feel that. I feel that. My, my first guy is, uh, is Rudy Ford. He's my DB and my safety 23, one behind uh, Jordan Fuller and one ahead of Kareem 
Jackson. He's uh, you know like like Dax. Uh, Rudy Ford's been on a on a tear in the last three games. He's got twenty three solo tackles, uh, two pass breakups, and of course an interception, uh, which I think was last week against against Stafford. Um, so it's it's been it's been great to see him hold down that role and be so productive after earning more playing time towards the end of last season. He's also got a nice a nice matchup this this weekend. Last I checked, uh, Jimmy Jimmy G remains in the in the concussion protocol, um, but he seems likely to play considering he practiced in uh, at least a limited basis uh, Thursday and Saturday of, of last week. And, you know, Jimmy G's thrown six interceptions this year, tying Daniel Jones for the most in that category. Some have questioned whether whether Jimmy G will regain his role when he's healthy, but obviously Josh, Josh McDaniel shut that talk down, telling reporters that he will remain the starter. But even if he misses the game, you've got Aiden O'Connell stepping in for him to get another start. Um, O'Connell, you know, he, he played really well towards the end of the game with the Chargers, but he otherwise struggled. Uh, I think there's a lot to like about Ford's chances of having another good week, whoever the Raiders have at QB this week. I like his matchup. I like his form. I like him as a player. I, yeah, I, the thing is, I can't, I can't disagree because I, I said it earlier on that I think Jordan Love goes out and puts foot in ass when it comes to the Raiders versus the Packers. And I think that the, the, the Raiders are going to be playing from behind and they're going to be throwing a lot, and it doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Aiden O'Connell, whether it's uh, whether it's Jimmy G, they're going to be tossing that ball downfield, and neither one of them is massively pinpoint precise. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for him to at least grab a pick, uh, or if not, they you know be making tackles downfield, they're, they're looking to pass breakups, things like that. Like it's it's the opportunities for him to make plays are going to be there. Um, so I, I I can't fault. Uh, if anything, I, I maybe think that you know the, the ranking you've got from there at twenty three, it might be a little bit too low. Like it, it's, but at the same time, I wouldn't dream of trying to sit in your seat and do these rankings after it gets to like number five. I'm like, no man, I'm out. Like everybody's a, everybody's a safety too. Like and so you know you're a braver man than me taking taking on this every single week. And um, yeah, it's it's I can't disagree with you on on Rudy Ford. Um, who is the second DB that you like for week five? Uh, the second man that I like for week five is, um, he's a bit of an IDP show favorite. Um, it's Kyle Duggar from the New England Patriots. And it's, it's coming down to opportunity again. Like he has played a hundred percent of their snaps through the first four weeks. He's pretty much the only consistent fixture of that entire defense. Christian Gonzalez, I think I saw today is going on IR. Um, they just traded for JC Jackson, which you must be ecstatic about getting him, getting him off that roster. Like, <laughs> I am over the moon. Like, um, it's, it's, like I said to my friend, watch, watch him go back to the Patriots and be the, the same player he was before, before he came picks. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 lock it lock it in. Like if you if we we can't get underdog where we are, but we've got our own betting systems that we can jump on, and and every week for the next six weeks, just smash the over 0.5 interceptions for JC Jackson. Um, yeah. But it's it's you know the injuries that the de- and the depletion that's come from this defense, and also the matchup. Like the New Orleans Saints have proven that they can put up points in bunches. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as dominant as what we saw last week 
because the, the Saints have a great defense, but they were exposed a little bit versus Tampa Bay. So it's not going to be the same level as what Dallas just did to New England, where next thing you know, the Patriots were down by like 25. <laughs> and, and Matt Jones was just turning into Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall in front of our eyes. And Bailey Zappi ended up taking the field. But the Saints have a really good defense. They can put the Patriots in a hole and they can look to dominate time of possession and just... Like Alvin Kamara came out uh, after the, the the Buccaneers game and was like, "It's been two years since I've been utilized properly. Like, what is going on?" So it can end up being like a squeaky wheel gets the grease game for for Kamara, and they just decide to run it down the Patriots' throat. Duggar lives in the box. Like that's what we've seen in uh, both Evan and Jake's show, and in the uh, in the main show they've been talking about his his sweet spot sweet spots percentage. Like he is living in the box. Twelve solos this past week. Because he was just living in the box while Dallas decided to run the ball down the throat. So if Doug is going to get another close to double digit solos, like sign me up. Like I don't need splash plays. Give me ten tackles, ten solo tackles. That's 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 close to twenty points a game. Like, yeah, yeah, you make good points. I I like Doug. I've got him just outside the that sort of safety uh, one. Range, he's my, my DB13. So, uh, so my second guy that I really like is, and this is a continuation of what we've seen all year really, is Javon Holland. Uh, he's my DB and my safety four, uh, one behind Jesse Bates and one ahead of Jalen Petre. I, I talked about Holland on the show a few weeks ago, um, but obviously that doesn't, that doesn't preclude me from, from mentioning him again because I'm just a big fan of what we've been seeing. His, his role under Fangio uh, involves him playing much closer to the line of scrimmage than he did in the past. And the results have been excellent in most scoring formats. And I'll come back to that one in a second. So far this year, he's got 38 tackles, two forced fumbles, and two pass breakups. Uh, yes, last week against the Bills was his least productive game of the season, but he still finished with seven tackles and could have had more if he didn't miss two attempts. And I'm willing to let that go for a player who doesn't typically miss a lot of tackles. He's got a great matchup this this weekend against the, the Giants. That Giants O-line has really struggled with or without Andrew Thomas. And the end result is that Daniel Jones has, has been under pressure constantly, leading him to throw six interceptions, tying Jimmy G for the most among all QBs. It's pretty optimistic to expect Holland to come up with an interception. Um, it's, it's a nightmare trying to predict any oh. DB to record an interception. It's almost impossible. But the chances do increase in a, in a game like this. And at the least, his, his sort of newfound tackling efficiency does offer a pretty solid weekly floor. I said I'd come back to the point about him playing close to the line of scrimmage. And I did wonder aloud a couple of weeks back about whether that might impact the big plays that he made, you know, made pretty common um, in, in, in the previous seasons. And it is a shame to see that sort of playing out, albeit over a limited sort of sample size so far, but he hasn't really had the, the big plays in coverage. But I'm happy to sacrifice that in most of the scoring formats I play in to get a guy that is a pretty reliable source of tackles. So the only thing that I would bring up um, is Brandon Jones. Brandon, Brandon Jones is back. Last week against Buffalo, Brandon Jones played 100% of the snaps. Yeah. Last season, before Jones' ACL, 
Jones was the box safety, Holland was the deep guy, and that's why they had the utilization that they had. Um, I haven't had a look this season at the utilization for week four between Brandon Jones and, um, and, and Javon Holland to see what the split is. But he's more suited to that box role in terms of body type, at least. Like if we talk about stereotypical box bangers, yeah. Jones is a more stereotypical box banger than Holland is. So maybe it means that they start splitting the usage. Maybe Holland stays down there because he's, he's, he's shown so effective. But Jones is back now as that other safety to be paired beside Holland. So that's the only thing that maybe would stop me from saying, yeah, he's a top five guy now. So maybe him being still around the top ten. The Brandon Jones point, I'm 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 less concerned about that. I think he only played because Deshaun Elliott wasn't playing. Um and even though Brandon Jones was playing, uh Holland spent uh as many snaps in the box as he did as a deep safety. So I'm not I concerned did, about that. I did Jones. forget that, that Jones had essentially lost his role to Elliott. Um, yeah, he was a he yeah. was he, he was healthy, wasn't he? I think in the first couple of weeks, Jones and just oh, just wasn't he was playing. playing so. He was playing special teams. He was he was playing like sixty percent of special teams in the first couple of weeks. Fangio just just doesn't play that kind of that kind of scheme either. Um, I, I, I'm looking forward to Holland continuing in the role that he's been playing in so far. I certainly hope that's the case. Anyway, I haven't seen anything to suggest that that's not going to be the case yet. But no, it's got, it's got to got to stay open minded. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's move on to our fallers. Um, who do you not like at the DB position for week five? Richie Grant. Um, it's just uh, a case of uh, predominantly basing it on, on your rankings. You've got both Atlanta guys in your top six. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I, Grant's been underwhelming this season so far. He had his best game he had his best game of the of the season so far last week and he scored fourteen and a half points. And that was but that was that was solo and that was based off of solo tackles. He had nine solos. And I wonder if that is partly because old uh, old Aquaman, Nate Landman, um struggled in his first NFL game and, and because that tackle volume wasn't there when it was, you know, Mr. 10.0 Ray score Troy Anderson flying around the field. Um, so I'm just wondering if, if, if old, uh, if old archipelago Nate Landman is taking a bit of time to, uh, to adjust to, to the NFL game and it gave more opportunities for Richie Grant. It's just, he's not making any big plays. He's got one, like in terms of impact plays. So if we call an impact play, like an interception, a sack, a force fumble, fumble recovery, ready, ready, right. He's got one pass defended on the season. That is it. The rest of his numbers. Assists and solos, and apart from last week against Jacksonville, he just hasn't really been impressive on that part. On that part either. So, I like the matchup that they have. I can see a lot coming from it with a Houston matchup because they love to go over the middle and they love to go down the sidelines with Nico Collins and Tank Dell. And I can see there being a lot available, but I just think Jesse Bates is the better player, and he's going to just. Hungry, hungry hippos all the production. Yeah, Jesse Bates is, is the better play. I, I look at I look at Grant's performance so far this season a little differently to you. Clearly, I've got him I've got him ranked in my uh, my my uh, as a DB one this this week. I oh, I see a guy six yeah. So last last season he had what one hundred and 
122 tackles, and his role has not really changed this season. Granted, some of the players around him change, and that can affect sort of tackle efficiency and tackle volume, but there's more consistency there with, in terms of the fact that he's playing for the same team. He's, so some of the guys around him are fairly similar. His role, as I say, hasn't really changed, and I believe that he will come back to being a high tackle producer sooner rather than later, and we saw that play out last week. Um, I think... There is a place for guys that don't just record big plays. If you want that big play guy, you know, Jesse Bates is your man. But like I said before, I'd like to, I like to pair guys who are, who have a solid weekly floor alongside sometimes in the same family team, those guys who produce huge plays as well. And if, uh, if Grant can get anywhere close to having 122 tackles again this season, and it looks like it might be a struggle based on how he played through two of the first three games, um, then, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. My rankings are never going to be a carbon copy of the top 12 players in scoring through four weeks. I like them. No, of back, course. Yeah. You know, a larger sap-up size. So I, I completely get that. And other people will probably be asking the same thing. You know, why is the DT1 in, uh, in IDP scoring not the DT1 in my rankings? It's simply because <laughs> I don't think I don't think he's the DT1. I don't think he's even the DT5. And I don't think he's going to be the DT1 this week. That's a gamble I take. Um, I certainly don't think he's going to be the DT1 over the course of the season. So that's a gamble I take. And, you know, maybe I'll get proven wrong. But that's I, I, I firmly believe in, in in trusting what we've seen over over a season more so than I do over the, the last four games. Recency bias is is, is a killer. Um, and it is, you know, the recent games are the most important, but four games aren't more important than, than 18, 19, or in some cases, you know, a whole a whole career. So that's, that's where my head is. I can't believe you. We're out here talking DBs and Ed Oliver's catching strays. Like, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? Hey, this, this, bit, this, wait, this bit is, is it, it's on. It is on like Donkey Kong. Um, so very, so very quickly, what if I told you Jesse Bates had more tackles on the season than Richie Rand did so far? So far this season? Yep, so far this season. Bates has not just been a big play guy. He's also been getting the tackle. And, and you know, I've got Jesse Bates ranked ahead of Richie Grant for That's these reasons. amazing. My second guy is uh, Donovan Wilson. Um, and uh, he's unranked. He was ranked last week. I forget where. This, one, this one's pretty simple, really. Uh, he got injured early in, in training camp. And he missed weeks one and two before returning in week three against the uh, the Cardinals. Uh, and that kind of explains why he's been on the field for barely half of the available defensive snaps in the last two games. He's been, you know, returning to, to full health. I'm sure as he gets healthier, we'll see him establish a bigger role once again. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays once he does. You know, I'll be inserting him back into my rankings again in the near future. I'm sure of it. But until we see that happen, I've I've got to avoid starting him or even ranking him. The the safety and the DB positions are just so deep that we can afford to play the waiting game and and and, and run the risk of missing a week where he plays every down again. No, I I understand that completely. And the the other thing is, it's like they actually have a really talented safety room there in Dallas between Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, and Jaron Curse. Like yep. that's three guys three guys that sort of will spend time poaching plays and and points from each other. So at this moment, um I think 
hookers on the injury report. I, I believe I remember seeing him something about a shoulder. Um, so there's a there's a possibility that we could see more playtime for Wilson if, if Hooker misses time. Um, but again, it's it's what's his fitness like? What, what's the trust in the coaches that the coaches have in him for him to be playing a full lot of snaps? And and if you're if you're going to be sort of rolling the dice on a guy that is not going to be playing a full allotment of snaps. You should probably be looking to do it at a guy that's got a higher ceiling than Donovan Wilson. And I mean, just for this season so far, what we've seen, like Donovan Wilson last season was amazing. I think he finished top 10 and fought like he, he finished up as a top 10 guy. Like he was, he was blown across. Like he was all over the field, but we haven't seen it yet because the fitness hasn't been there. And the, um, the opportunity hasn't been there yet, so I I think this is more of a wait and see. Like let's if 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 you want to maybe pick him up and try stash him, like if you can afford to stash DBs on your roster, like if you've got that luxury. Um, but it's it's for me, it's definitely sort of I'll I'll click the little like icon beside his name while he's sitting there on waivers, and I'll wait to see what like I'll, each week I'll go back and go, oh, how do you do this week? And before I decide to to pull the trigger. Yeah, and it's easier at this position than it is at some of the others, right? Uh, Rashan Gary springs to mind. He's a guy who's been playing a really small snap share as he kind of comes back to to health. Um, but I love the between- I love Rashan, and I keep oh, playing him. I, he's playing he's playing thirty percent of the snaps, and I'm like, I'm plugging you in because you are yeah. so good. Because every time, every time, and he was a guy I was thinking about talking about because you were you were higher on him, but I really didn't want to have to just concede to the fact that he's playing thirty percent of snaps. Like, because it's 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 essentially like a like an Uno reverse card. It's like he's so talented, thirty percent of snaps. Like, there's nothing there's nothing else that you can do when someone when someone goes, he is on the field, one out of three pass like pass rush plays, and you're like, yeah, yes, he is. Um, but it's it's but, kind of worked out in in most weeks. He's he's that good that he's still been he's still been productive a lot of the time. If it wasn't for his his his, his low snap share, he'd be one of those guys for me that would be top ten. Um, without a doubt, most weeks, unless he had a really difficult matchup. So he's yeah. cook. He is cooking everybody he's coming up against. Like you, uh, I mean, the the Lions have like a top six uh, offensive line, and um, is it Taylor Decker is their left tackle, I believe, uh, for the Lions side. Yeah. And and Gary was giving him fits that whole Thursday night game for every time he was on, and he was only on the field for like for like like fifteen, sixteen snaps. But every one of those snaps, Taylor, uh, like Decker was just straight out, straight backwards, just like, oh, <laughs> just, just filling his pants with, uh, with doo-doo because Gary was giving him fits. Yeah. Can't wait for him to get back to, uh, to full oh. health and start, start, start playing a lot of snaps again. We were, we, we were, we were robbed of a, of a fully fledged breakout last season because of that ACL injury. Like he was, I, I'm sure we would have seen 12 to 15 sacks and, and, just let's go, Rashawn. Agree, agree. agree. Um, okay, so we've ended on Rashawn Gary rather than Donovan Wilson, which is a more exciting way to end this, I think. So, uh, with that, that's uh, that's a wrap, Aaron. Um, you know, again, thanks for thanks a bunch for joining me tonight. It's uh, it's been great having you on. I know you've been driving all over the country today, so uh, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time out to uh, to share your insight with our audience. So. Subscribers of the IDP show will already be familiar with you and your content. Um, but for anyone who isn't, please share where they can find you and your work. 
Um, so my work is literally one article that I've written, uh, and it can be found at idpshow.com, and it was just based around Will Anderson about how he's going to be amazing. Um, I do more work behind the scenes more than anything. I do the, the doc prep for, for the main guys for the main show, and I also help uh, help the lovely Dr. Leezus with his uh, with his injury report, so you can catch the Banged Up podcast there in the, uh, in the after show feed on Spotify. Um, apart from that, you can find me on Twitter at IDPOz, but I don't really tweet a lot of things. I'm more of like a lurker in the Twitter space. Occasionally, I'll have a rant at someone who tries to tell me that Kayshawn Nixon shouldn't be running kicks out of an end zone. <laughs> I need those kick return yards. Play in leagues with kick return yards. Um, but I'm just, I'm just really happy that you were able to write such an eloquently worded letter to Josh for him to let me off the chain and actually get on a camera and do something. So he was, uh, he was moved by your, by your written request and um, uh, let the cage barrier down. So I'm free. Oh, it's been, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on. And by the way, you, you sold yourself really poorly there. That's like the worst sales, sales. Ever, ever. <laughs> this, is, this, is why this, is why, this is why I'm a technical engineer. I got kicked out of sales because <laughs> the customers, customers kept hanging up from me. And I was like, right, so I've just purchased um <laughs> and i can't call them so <laughs> no you deserve you deserve way more credit than you've just given yourself um if anyone wants to follow me uh and tell me how stupid all of my takes and my rankings are i'm on x at jace abbey and the full ranking oh, yeah. about in this show are available to subscribers on the IDP show site at theidpshow.com, oddly enough. Thanks to uh, to anyone and everyone who has uh, tuned in to the show. We couldn't do this without you. The feedback about the show has been both humbling, uh, mind-blowing, and probably misplaced. Uh, I'll be back again. <laughs> I'll be back again next week to talk about my week six rankings. In the meantime, good luck with your fantasy matchups this weekend. Cheerio. This was the IDP After Show.